ウント大谷かトラウトかはい。A tournament that, by some accounts, going into it didn't mean anything, wasn't important, and by the end had built quite a pile of momentum、uh, as we got to that pinnacle moment there. Two Anaheim Angels greats facing off with the championship on the,、uh, on the line. A lot of fun. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. We're going to get into the World Baseball Classic, and we're going to get into、uh, everything going on around Toronto Blue Jays spring training with a couple of、uh, friends of the show here. First, Andrew Stoughton from the batflip.ca. He's been on a bunch of times. You've heard him before. He's also a part of the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast with Nick Ashbourne from Sportsnet. And he's going to be here as well in just a couple of minutes. So that's going to be fun. We'll talk a lot of baseball here today.、Uh, make sure you are following us on social media at Tall Can Audio. We're on Twitter and Instagram there. And whether you're hearing me right now on,、uh, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are, There's a follow button, there's a subscribe button. Go ahead and,、uh, and hit that so you don't miss out on anything else we got coming up for you. It's a busy time of year. NBA and NHL playoffs are coming up.、Uh, we're going to have some WrestleMania talk here next week. Of course, the baseball season kicking off. There'll be all kinds of stuff up on the podcast.、Uh, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any of that.、Uh, up right now, had a chat on episode 1085 with Rob about、uh, the state right now of the Battle of Ontario. Or, as he's dubbed it, the skirmish of Ontario, just suggesting that, you know, maybe it's not quite what it used to be when Toronto's been good lately. Ottawa's been pretty bad. When Ottawa was good, Toronto was bad. And it's been a long time since there's been any, anything really on the line in that rivalry. And so we got into that a little bit on episode 1085, plus all kinds of, of other things there. On 1084, our buddy Steve Bunda from TSN Radio was on with me, talking all things MMA and the UFC. So you can go back, check those out wherever you're hearing me right now. Or just visit tallcanaudio.com. With all that out of the way, let's bring him in. First、uh, guy you've heard on here a few times before, many times before, Andrew Stoughton from thebatflip.ca. How's it going today, ma'am? It's going great, man. Thanks for, being,、uh, for having me back. Glad you、uh, made、and、a little time、wonderful. for me. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. And、uh, we got somebody new here today, a new voice on the podcast, your co host on,、uh, on the Blue Jays Happy Hour and contributing at Sportsnet. Nick Ashbourne's here. What's happening, man? Oh, thanks for having me on. It's a good day to talk baseball, that's for sure. It really is.、Uh, it was a pretty exciting finish last night at the World Baseball Classic. Why don't we start there? Just because to me, it was a bit of an interesting story, right? In the, in the sense that this thing kind of midway through was taking a lot of flack.、Uh, I think a lot of people, myself included at the beginning, was sort of like, ah, I'll check it out. It'll be all right. But by the end of it, it had built and built, and it really felt like it had become this spectacle, certainly. You know, climaxing right there in the bottom of the ninth inning.、Um, why don't you both take a swing at what you thought of the event, what you thought of the finish, and, and just, you know, why this one seemed to resonate a little bit more? I think it's funny because I did see a tweet from, from Stoughton, actually.、Uh, maybe it was yesterday or the day before about how, you know, he came into this pretty skeptical and, and he's not going to make that same mistake again. And it is interesting because it's, as you mentioned, there seemed to be a little bit of a slow burn with this. 
know, people are excited about the MLB season at this point. A lot of pitchers, especially for the United States, which is a team that's going to have a spotlight on it. A lot of their pitchers had not shown up. There are a couple of countries that were missing some of their better pitchers. And it, you know, it kind of took away from the idea that this was a best on best tournament. But at the end of the day, when it ends with, you know, Shohei Otani versus Mike Trout, it's essentially best on best. Like they're a lot of the greatest superstars in the world were there. And even, you know, coming in, the storyline was almost mainly the Dominican team, right? It was like, this is the most incredible lineup we've ever seen. And I know Vladdy getting injured had a little bit of an effect on that. But if if people were talking about anything, that's what they were talking about. And then that team kind of disappoints and it it doesn't matter because, you know, Japan was so fun to watch and so good, obviously the champions. Uh, And the U.S. had a couple of good moments as well throughout it. And yeah, it's it's great for the sport. You know, there's probably some people uh, complaining a little bit about some of the games dragging. Now they're getting used to that spring training pitch clock. But overall, it, there's no way to say it didn't exceed expectations. I, I completely agree. Uh, it, it's, you know, the people who are probably liking it the least are the MLB front offices, right? Because I, I think it's going to be harder next time to get guys to to skip it right because <laughs> it was pretty easy this time to, to have guys sort of bow out and, and we, and we kind of saw that like blue jays fans with vlad you know he put that graphic up on his instagram like see you uh see you in the second round and he was able to be you know even though the jays weren't really talking about him actually going you know going and joining the dominican had they made it to the second round uh like he was a, he was eligible to be a, an injury replacement and they probably would have found a way to do that and that could have been a, a an interesting you know jays related story uh, had that, you know, had the Dominican not, you know, uh, fucked it all up there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the, I mean, we, and you just saw it and especially, uh, you know, all the, the games that were happening in the, in the far East there at the at weird times of the night, you know, just the way that the crowds were there, the way that the crowds are in, you know, like fans of, of Caribbean teams, like just baseball in, in everywhere that isn't North America or what we call North America or like Canada or the U S uh, <laughs> people have a lot more fun, I think, uh, at it, and it was a great showcase for that. And uh, and yeah, like Nick said, like just a, the way that it sort of like Mexico was such, was such a fun story, and they had a great team, and would have been very deserving winners. And and like that that semifinal game was was wild in its own right, and shouldn't be too overshadowed by what happened last night yeah. in, in the final. But also, man, like yeah, Otani versus Trout to to end it was like the, you couldn't write it better. If you're if you're the World Baseball Classic people, which I guess is MLB also, but it's like, you know, uh, I, I I don't know. It was it, I think it was just obviously like a, a, an incredible success, and and I said earlier in the tournament, like you know, I, I, it may not be best on best because a bunch of guys are skipping it or whatever, but it for what it is, it's it's close enough. It's as close as we'll ever get. It's always going to be a problem. I saw tweets, you know, during the tournament about you know when it, when it gets played, and I know we've talked about this and and. Uh, you know, maybe play it at the All-Star break, maybe play it in November or whatever. Uh, I don't think that works for anybody. I think this is the only that time they can do it, so they're just going to have to deal with the fact that guys are not going to be available for it. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it, it still was incredibly fun and a, an incredible showcase for baseball. And, uh, man, I'm still, you know, <laughs> I was I was just, I, I, I watched a terrible movie last night. I watched uh, a movie called 65. Adam Driver. Oh no! Um, I, yeah, I, I, I was with friends, and we were roasting it the whole time, so it made it, it made it tolerable. Um, but yeah, that plastic spaceship really bothered me a lot. Uh, <laughs> the budget was not where where we're used to things. Um, but then I ended up going back to uh, you know my local afterwards. 
demanded getting the game on the on the tv and was just like shouting at people the whole time like you have to watch you have to watch this this, this is the best player in, in 50 years against the other best player of 50 years and uh it was fun people had fun uh, i don't think i made a lot of baseball fans last night because you know shouting doesn't, doesn't sure. generally like Love my doesn't sport. generally do that <laughs> yeah uh but it was a, a wonderful event I, I, big big fan and i and and like i say i'm 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 droning on now but like yeah i was very blessed I about it do you think that like we're hearing numbers uh, i i guess in one of the the quarterfinals japan had like 40 percent of households watching i think in the dominican it was 60 for their game against puerto rico uh 60 percent of households watching these games do you think part of it is like over here we do almost view it as like this well, spring training and um, I don't want my guys to go from my favorite team. So that's sort of a, a strike against it. Whereas like these are the only times that like the best Japanese players in the world are going to come back and play for Japan. Like, is there just a different appreciation for it? And it's our kind of snobbishness about the fact that it is spring training and there's pitch limits and these sorts of things. Like why, why did it take us so much longer to jump on than it did for some of these other other countries. Nick, why don't you take that first? The Japanese one is interesting in particular. Like if you think about the equivalent, like what if you had all the MLB all-stars, basically regardless of country, just because the vast majority of players in MPB are Japanese, and they were going to go play a series that was flying under a, you know, a flag that you care about like that. They get it's like they get to see an all star game, except the players care, and it's six games in a row, and it's they're doing it for your country. So, from that perspective, getting to see, yeah, all your favorite MPB players who are spread out on various teams that you don't get to see all the time put together in one place for something extremely meaningful that you know that is something that's it's easy to understand the appeal of that. And the Dominican is you know, it's a little bit different. But, you know, there's a lot of national pride for some of these countries. Like it is definitively the number one sport or the sport that they're going to perform the best at, to be honest. Like, you know, people talk about baseball being the national pastime and there's far too much talk about which sport is higher or lower on the hierarchy and how many people are fans of, of what. And that can get a little bit boring at times. But the reality is I don't think anyone in the United States or, you know, Canada, for that matter, saw this term and thought, oh, this is the sport that my country is best at, that we care about the most. And, yeah, saw it as this premier event. And that's how it was perceived in other places. Stoughton, do you think it is just like we've seen these before where they're somewhat successful and it it always builds like any international tournament builds in excitement as you go is it recency bias to say that this one is by far the most exciting or it, it, did this blow away the previous editions? I think it did. And and I, I say that mostly because I was more, you know, Canada's team was not uh, as strong this time as previous years. And mm-hmm. I, I think we, like, I think had it been, I think had, you know, bottom in there, Mike Soroka, you know, like, like had there been needed more stubby more, clap. Yeah, <laughs> just had there been a, a bigger had if Vlad was playing like playing for Canada, which I'm pretty sure he's eligible. He I mean, is, the, yeah. This ain't FIFA. The the, the eligibility <laughs> rules are quite relaxed. Um, you know, I think that I, it, the the hype here would have been would have been something else. Maybe somebody needs to uh, slide us some cash for the next one. Uh, try to <laughs> try to change. It. Well, like it's wild. Like Michael Stroman was pitching for Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, was like the hero for the U.S. in the last one, which was which was also a great tournament, and that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it, it would be very difficult to say, 
the Trout versus Otani one is, is is anything but the best. Like that's like that was that was incredible. But I think I think yeah, we would have felt it way more here if had Canada had a stronger team. But I think a, a part of what made me uh, you know less interested in it to begin with was that you know it was it was it was clear early on it was like Freddie Freeman and like and like a bunch of minor leaguers basically. Yeah, and then once he um, went home, it was. <laughs> That did not help, no. but, but, but it just, but the, the whole thing ended up becoming compelling because, you know, the other teams are just so fun. And I think like Nick was saying, like to watch those guys uh, play under a different, like, and like Sasaki, like, like the, who, like guy, like the Japanese team was just so fun, especially because those, how they're, you know, there's always, and, you know, maybe there's an, there probably is an element of, you know, Orientalism in it, or whatever. Like you know, there's oh, they're they're mysterious over there. It's sure, like, oh, you, can look, you, you can you can watch it on video pretty easily. But like, there's you know, guys who are going to be become like the next great Japanese superstars who are who are playing there, and that sort of adds to the element. And they're like the other teams are sort of a little more, you know, like Cuba has like uh, um, you know the Cespedes playing or whatever, and like 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 they're they're kind of more of a known quantity. And it's like okay, those guys are oh, you got a bunch of washed guys over there. Um, but I don't know, and that just like that that just made it. That just made it such a more interesting thing, um, and I, like I like I was saying off the top, like I just hope that that you know I, front offices will never want to see their players you know abscond from from spring training and and go embark on this other little thing. But it's going to be harder and harder to stop them. I think the more that this becomes something like a real point of pride, and like and for the, the United States, you know. Obviously, I think I saw a graphic early in the tournament that's like there's 700 big leaguers from the U.S. and like maybe 200 from elsewhere like it's it, it's a it's a very american dominated sport yeah. and like it reminds me of and i don't know anything about this because it happened a little, decades before i was born but like england didn't wasn't a fifa member for years and didn't play in the world cup until like 1950 even though england is like where the home of of soccer and i i, I there's probably all sorts of like political machinations and reasons for that but it, but but the the sense i remember like hearing about that growing up at least you know anecdotally was was that they're just like oh we don't need to we don't need to prove ourselves sure in this little in this little rinky dink tournament of all these other countries we know we're the home of, of, of football footy as they would call it uh and maybe there's a bit of that attitude with the americans even though they haven't really wanted a ton but it just it doesn't it hasn't really emboldened uh the best of the best to uh to join that team even though a lot of the you know the, on the position player side yes which you know it's way easier as a position player you know in spring training to to go and take your hacks elsewhere it's like with if you're if you're a pitcher it does kind of uh, you know if you're if you're jacob Degrom, you're like uh kind of kind of don't want to get hurt uh for the umpteenth time on my new contract and stuff like that sure uh but uh, you know they're at their Lance Lynn's pitching for the United States. I mean that's not the, 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 clearly they're not taking it quite as seriously, you know, as a as, as a nation as perhaps they could. Aaron Oop <laughs> appeared in the final yeah, game, <laughs> and and the guy who pitched the most innings was Kyle Freeland. So like there is a gap here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick, but hopefully that gap narrows. You know, hopefully they get embarrassed enough to like want to actually you know dream team it up. I was just going to ask that. Like, do we think that this got? All this much more attention this year. It looked like it was a lot of fun. Everyone was talking about it. Do you think three years from now, a few more American pitchers? Because that really was the weak spot for that Team USA was the pitching staff. Do you think they can be shamed into it or enough of them will be excited now that they want to jump into it and, and you know, contribute that part of it? Like, can th the fact that this one got so much more attention, do you think, you know, might that have an impact on being able to sign up a few more pitchers next time, Nick? 
I'd like to believe that's true. I, we do have kind of this, I don't know, golden generation might be an exaggeration, but we have a lot of these aging pitchers who are still very, very effective who are with us right now. And maybe a couple of those guys are at the very tail end and they've never tried it before and they want to give that a shot. It is so tough just because teams are very specific about what routines they want their pitchers to go through and the risk of them getting injured is, you know, is continues to exist even if they're using small stints but yeah maybe there's something to it especially with this Japanese team being so strong and a lot of their players being relatively young too like this is mm. there's a lot of up-and-comers on this team too so maybe yeah maybe the United States or at least a couple pitchers have this notion of you know we want to go up and we want to beat Otani and all these up-and-coming guys and just yeah they've won a single world baseball classic there has to be some level of embarrassment there because they definitely you know consider themselves to be the number one baseball nation and i'm not saying that they're not that right um but at a certain point it would be good to have you know had to bring home a trophy or two and maybe a pitcher will feel that way though though it could also entirely <laughs> make the tournament i mean if, if verlander scherzer and degrom were pitching for the u.s <laughs> it might it might have been a different tournament it's entirely possible. Yeah, um, <laughs> it might have been less compelling. Yeah, know, before we move off this, there's the there's always Adam Wainwright doesn't no. need all the same yeah, and just before we move off this, there's always some smaller stories that you know, kind of by the end of it, are kind of getting swept off the rug. It was cool to see Great Britain and the Czech Republic get in there, right? And Italy gets a win over Cuba. I know Cuba isn't quite what they once were, obviously, but these are little things that if you do want to see this sport build worldwide, there. They're important, right? And and you hear about these little viewing parties at pubs across England for this thing, drawing like 30, 40 people or whatever. And like, that's great. Like maybe down the road that does start to build a culture and some interest in some of these other countries. The other nugget I saw on Twitter just before uh, I went to bed last night was that I guess Schwarber is now, uh, has hit a home run in both the AL and NL wildcard games, the AL NL DS the ALNLCS and the World Series, and now uh, a World Baseball Classic Championship game. So there's always kind of neat little things like that, that in a small tournament like this, in a quick run that, yeah, you grab interesting little nuggets like that, right? Is there anything either one of you guys have on this before we move off, just that you're going to take away from it or that you thought was interesting? I mean, those are good nuggets. You mentioned one more I'd add to the mix was the guy, and I may be mispronouncing this, but Duque Heber for Nicaragua, who basically got signed by the Tigers to a minor league contract yeah. on account of, you know, one stellar relief appearance. <laughs> and um, it is a cool showcase for these guys. And, you know, chances are, mathematically speaking, nothing's really going to come of that. But I do think that that's a that's a part of the tournament that's really fun is the opportunity for a lot of guys to showcase their skills on the stage in front of people that matter. And, you know, who knows, maybe he's in the Tigers bullpen in three or four years. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, back, back to Matt, what you're saying, you know, like uh, I'm not going to attribute the World Baseball Classic to be like guy like, you know, Sam Rivers is a, is a Jays prospect who's of, of, of note. He's probably going to pitch in the big leagues if we who knows what his career is going to be. He needs a little more velocity probably. But uh, you know, from from the Netherlands, you know, Max Kepler is German, and and like you know, the, in terms of like the you know the most of the European countries that are playing, clearly those are just like American dudes who clearly aren't <laughs> going to make the the U.S. team. Um, but no, but like, and uh, you know, and the Great Britain team is like as, as you mentioned earlier, those are all like Bahamian guys or guys with uh, you know with parents from from sure. there. No, 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 no shame in that. But like, but but it's just they're, there's they're they're in a lot of ball diamonds over the over there in those places at this at this point. And this is sort of a way to start moving it in the direction. Like the Czech team was really 
incredibly fun just as a just as a concept right like sure. it's like these are plumbers playing against uh otani like it's, <laughs> it's like it's incredible okay uh, and, and i think hopefully i think hopefully though that will you know it, it, it it's not going to happen overnight but uh you know as it as it showed baseball is a wonderful game uh and uh and it's fun to get into it this was a wonderful fun tournament to be into and uh hopefully people saw that and then we'll continue to uh to want to be a part of it and we get to go from that back to the drudges of spring training but only for another week <laughs> or so um this is always the I, I, for a long time there before all the hockey canada stuff hit the fan the world junior hockey championships was one of my favorite events of the year and then it's back to Tuesday night against the Panthers. Uh, you know, it's just there's always yeah. a bit of a fall off. Um, it was funny how quickly I did notice. You know, at the very beginning of the WBC, after watching just like whatever it would have been at the time, six or eight spring training games, how quickly you got used to and enjoyed the pitch clock, and then those first couple of games sometimes were a bit of a slog. Right back to how long it was in between pitches. I was a little surprised they didn't. Uh, want to use this as a showcase for the new rules, but fair enough. That's a whole other conversation. Um, Stoughton, your most re- recent piece was kind of a check-in on what's going on around spring training based on the questions that we all had going into spring training. Have any of them been answered and what is the status of some of these things? Why don't you kick us off here? What was the most interesting takeaway that you've had uh, so far or you've observed based on the questions that we had going into spring training and what may or may not have been answered so far? Yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot has been answered, honestly, and that's that's sort of why spring training is not, you know, it, it's a, it, it, you kind of are when you're in the, the media industry or in the content creating industry, <laughs> you're kind of you feel obliged to produce content about it. But like, like I said about Kikuchi, you know, you could have breathlessly talked about, it, and I think Nick and I did this on the podcast like, about like what you know what his first couple of starts were like, and okay, things are going well, and. Maybe he's you know he doesn't have to think too much when he's throwing with the pitch clock and there's little mechanical changes or whatever. And then you know if you kind of just look up as I, which was kind of the concept of the piece, is like all right, let's look up like and see where we're at a few weeks into spring training with a couple weeks to go to before the season. And it's like well he's got he's got like nine walks and in eight innings or whatever, whatever insane thing it is, right? Like yeah. and it's just like okay, like his line now looks like what. It, what you would have expected based on what he did last year, which is, which kind of uh, mutes, I think, a lot of the uh, the takery that that could have uh, that could have occurred about his earlier performances. Uh, so I mean, he's you know, man, that Barrios that Barrios performance against Puerto Rico was uh, yeah, or for Puerto Rico in, in the WBC was against I think Venezuela was was not ideal. Um, and yeah, and it kind of—I don't know—I think kind of goes to show, and that was again like the the whole point of it was like, all right, well, now we're four weeks into the six-week slog that is spring training. Let's uh, let's look at where we are. Oh, we're not really nothing really has changed. No, or not a lot has changed. I think there you know there've been good stories. There've been interesting. You know, uh, some Barger had a uh, had a nice camp. Uh, Otto Lopez has been really good. He hasn't, you know, hasn't come back since the WBC, but he's had a really good spring. He's probably kind of on his way to being the 26th man. And otherwise, I don't know. On a whole, how a lot has happened. Um, Nick, when I had Arden Zwelling on here a few weeks ago, I said to him that I thought Jose Barrios would be hugely important this year and like a major swing point for the team. And he sort of downplayed that, saying, "Well, he's probably your number four now." But my point was almost that. If he's a ki- if that's your number four and he's pitching like he can pitch, you're 
you know, potentially running away with the division. Whereas if you see the guy we had last year and, you know, suddenly your your rotation isn't anywhere near as deep as, as it feels. You know, we haven't seen a lot of Barrios because of, you know, the the time away for uh, the WBC. And as uh, Stoughton referenced, it didn't go well in his one appearance at the WBC. Like, what is your level of concern or uh, on on him based on what we've seen? I mean, what we've seen hasn't been great, <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest. I think you're right. He is a very big swing player because if he is 2021 Barrios and then you're looking at, yeah, Manoa, Gosman, Bassett, Barrios pitching at that level, you've got yourself an incredible rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he'll be what he was last year, but that's not really exactly a hot take. I think that's just kind of that's the floor and that's lower than the floor coming into the year. It wasn't even within the realm of possibility in our minds that he would be that ineffective. And what we've seen so far has not been encouraging, but last year, you know, he still got that, you know, the slurvy breaking pitch that has got incredible movement on it. That's tough to hit. He's still a guy who has commanded the ball well in his career. Maybe not so much last year. His velocity isn't great, but it didn't fall off a cliff. Like, there's no reason to believe that he's just kind of done. And I think some Blue Jays fans are sort of writing him off as like, oh, the, you know, the extension was a mistake and he's a bottom rotation guy now. And that's just what he's going to be because we haven't seen anything different in the last, you know, 14 months. But I, I still hold out some hope that Barrios has a chance to bounce back and maybe be, yeah, sort of a third starter caliber guy. But he's he's one of the hardest guys to pin down on the entire team. Like him on the pitching side and then maybe Brandon Belt on the hitting side. Yeah. Like there's a couple of guys on this team that could perform at a star level or uh, you know, have a pretty low floor. And most of the rest of the team is relatively established veterans at most positions. That's what you get with the contending squad. Damning with faint praise there, Nick. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the $120 million extension guy. Well, I still hold out some hope that, he, that he'll <laughs> be, be a slightly three. better than a back-end <laughs> starter. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, like speaking of Arden, like I thought his piece was really good this weekend or, or the other day about you know the, how the game planning was different and how Barrios wouldn't have thrown the, the – the right with with Puerto Rico uh, her hit out uh yeah and and you know okay there's some of that and obviously you know game planning can add you know on the margins some things but he definitely really 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 <laughs> needs to 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 like and like Nick says like the stuff looks the same you know you look at the spin rates you look at the movement you look at it and like across the board the metric it's like it's not he's not throwing different things they're just He's just not as fine at locating them and, and leaves way too much out over the plate, uh, which ends up getting hammered. And it, it's a it, it's a, it's an issue. It's a concern. Uh, even as your fourth starter, I think it's, you know, he'll, he'll give you a bunch of good starts, I'm sure. Well, but how much of that is even going to be on him or just on, like, like batted ball luck? Sure. I, I, you know, I, I was, I, and I was, like, first in line to praise that, extension when it happened it was like and the, and and 2021 like you like you said like man post trade like he was great he was great down the stretch yep um and it's so odd to see a guy especially you know on the right side of 30 uh at nothing no de- no degradation this stuff no injury for this to be happening to it's very it's very odd and and hopefully He'll just have a nice run of starts, and, and we can never talk about it again. But uh, <laughs> but that, but that one, but that one in the WBC did not make us not want to ever talk about it again. Like it, 
Yeah, and it's a fair point that Arden made in his piece that you referenced there, that he's away with a different catcher and a different coaching staff and throwing things that the Jays would never have asked him to. But, uh, you know, that it is only one start, and we'd already seen some things at uh, at spring training that were, you know, it, it's hard to get a read on. So, But it's, it's a big question mark, because if, if you have him and Kikuchi and not much behind them in coming in support around the rotation, right, it's this is going to be a big deal that they get him going because you can't have that many question marks and still want to, you know, contend to take the division. It's, it's important. I mean, the Yankees, uh, come on. Yeah. What do they, they got to, they, they got their two of their top four on the, on the IL already. Um, True enough. True. Enough. You can have some, you can have some questions, uh, but, but also <laughs> please, please Lord, do not make me have to cheer for Bowden Francis. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick, what about you as we've kind of moved our way through spring training and you kept an eye on it? What kind of storylines have you been keeping an eye on or who's maybe stood out to you as, as something that may have been surprising, even in that kind of keeping spring training numbers in perspective kind of way? Yeah, I mean, uh, Stone mentioned before Addison Barger as a guy with a lot of helium as a prospect, like someone who is kind of like, oh, this guy's performing well in the minor leagues last season. He just kept moving up a level and level. And yeah, he's not going to break camp with the club. He's not going to be a starter right away, but he's putting himself in the mix. You know, you talk about potential plans after Matt Chapman, if you don't extend Matt Chapman, like he's someone who could be an infield starter for this team. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no guarantee that that's going to happen. But, you know, I think that, you know, a year ago, we he was someone who was sort of barely on the radar. So it's good to see that, you know, Tiedemann also just getting a look at him. Obviously, we saw him kind of at his best in his first outing. And that was a little bit eye opening for people who have more heard of him and seen clips than get to kind of lock in and watch him pitch. He's got electric stuff. You know, that's not breaking news by any means. And I'm fascinated with how they're going to treat Tiedemann this year because the Blue Jays are a team that project to be in contention, that has a bullpen that may well be a weakness of this team. I'm not saying that's going to be a disaster by any means, but it's not exactly a star-studded unit either. And I can see Tiedemann in the year, but they're going to have to be very careful with him. Like he does not have much of a track record in terms of getting that workload together. He does not have a lot of minor league innings under his belt. So it's going to be interesting to see how they treat him through the year, because I do think there is an eye towards him making an impact on the big league team by the end of 2023. But in order for that to happen, they might have to make some sacrifices along the way. Either you guys have any thoughts on what we've seen from Dalton Varsho so far, because they gave up an awful lot to get him. And I, it, it seems silly. I know everybody does it, but you keep reminding people it's only spring, all these, but you know, so far his numbers haven't been great offensively. You know, is there any concern or is that just, you know, figuring things out in spring and being in a new environment or, you know, what do we think of, uh, of what we've seen out of him so far? Well, I, I, I have, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like, have they been bad? I mean, I, I don't think, I think that maybe people's expectations of his offense okay. are, are probably a little out of whack. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, again, Arden, I think said on a, a, one of his podcasts, like, uh, like I called it, called him a, like a Randall Gritchick, uh, kind of hmm. guy. And you, and, you, and you look at it and, and, and I think it, and, you know, I think, it I think that's uncharitable, <laughs> <perhaps>. <laughs> but also, I don't know, like Nick, we talked about it the other week on ours, like, uh, you know, we were talking about the projections on him and like, just looking, just looking at his numbers, it's like, oh, it was a 106 weighted run screen plus last year. Like, and I think that the, and this to me is why 
you know, the talk about, you know, oh, what Merrifield's, we don't need Robbie Grossman with the Merrifield's great. Like, no, they need a right-handed bat because this guy shouldn't be facing left-handers a lot because it's uh, like, it, it's grim. Like the, the, the splits were, were quite, and I know that his 2021 was a little bit better that gets uh, lefties than, than last year, but fine guy against, uh, against right-handed pitching, which is, you know, going to be the majority of pitching. So yeah. the, the, not, you know, not, not disparaging the trade in any way, but, uh, but yeah, I think you got to temper your expectations a little bit for him. He's also a guy that, you know, considering they traded someone who was considered, you know, potentially the best prospect in baseball, depending on who you ask. I think the expectation is generally that you get sort of a bigger, splashier player out of yeah. a deal like that. And instead of getting that star player who maybe, you know, costs 20 plus million dollars a year and has two or possibly three years left on team control they went for a younger cheaper player they'd have for a longer period of time so i understand that the trade value quote unquote on a player like that is the same as a, a more established star who makes more money but has less control right uh, just because of the flexibility you're able to have elsewhere but to a fan base generally speaking they're going to say oh who did we give up and who did we get and Dalton Varsho is not the most exciting name to say, oh, we got that guy, even though, you know, he fits the team well in terms of being a left-handed bat, in terms of adding to this newfound outfield defense that they've created after being brutal at that for <laughs> years. Um, he brings a lot that they need and they have him for a long time. And because they have him at cheap, it'll be, make them able to do things elsewhere on the roster. But in terms of just the basics of the deal, we are trading X player and we're getting Y player. You definitely could have traded Moreno and gotten somebody that um, maybe the fans would have glommed onto a little bit more who would have been uh, an easier sell as like this guy is an established star. And, and I think that I think that he, you know, he's a little miscast as a left fielder, too. Right. Like and, and, and you know, we've talked about this on our podcast, too. Like uh, you know, they, they went and got Kiermaier because the 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 penalty for not getting somebody for center field was so high that, that they kind of had to do it even though they you know they still were in the market for one and they ended up getting a guy like virtual profiles as a center fielder yeah. you know offensively much but like he looks like a like if he, his bat at center field in the in a position he can absolutely play looks fine his bat in left field you're like oh wow and but, term, but they that's also think, what they're doing. Right? I think like so, your Meyer sure, saw yeah. in the short term deal. So I think that longer yeah. term you do see him as that center field. But then as you say, yeah, when you know when when fans are looking up in July and and seeing his numbers, there 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 could be some questions at that yeah, point. Yeah, doesn't profile as your typical corner outfield bat. And I wish you I wish they would let him catch more. Like they, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he's put on the I don't know if he's been been behind the plate in a spring game at all. And to me, that was like part of like part of the genius of the deal. It's like, oh, this is a guy who, you know, now you can pinch run for Kirk if Jansen's already in the game at DH, or if you, you know, you don't have to worry about as much. Which is, the, you know, it comes up kind of rarely, but there are situations where, sure. you know, the Jays had, a, in particular, because they used Kirk at DH so much, which they probably won't do as much this year, but like where they don't want to burn, the, like burn a catcher and not have one on the bench. And so having him there, and hopefully they will they will you know choose to to do it anyway, even if he hasn't had the you know had the gear on yet that this much. But but I I definitely was expecting him to be a guy who might catch a couple games a month, and they they don't seem to be going that way. And I think that would be a waste of his uh, of his skill set. 
But as an aside on that, like managers are way too paranoid about that situation. Oh yeah, no, they the chance of, the chances about, yeah. of somebody getting injured, and even <laughs> if they did, you can bring someone in, you quote unquote lose a DH, but then you can just roll your bench players through and pinch hit based on the matchups. Like it's an insane fear that like prevents <laughs> managers from making very <laughs> obvious tactical in-game moves on the like zero point zero three percent chance that we end up in an extra inning game where they have one catcher and then a pitcher has to hit once. Like it, it's wild me i've never gotten it absolutely true but it's just like man please if kirk's on if kirk's on base in in a late and close situation yeah give me a pinch runner he's done his job (laughs) give me a pinch runner he can't run we've talked about it a few times around here whether or not they even would have made the kiermeyer signing had they known you know the varsho deal was still a few weeks now just out ahead of them or, or whatever which is you know a whole interesting thing on its own and and we as as you guys have said I think Kiermaier's here for a year and then we'll see what that looks like and Varsho probably moves into that spot. And I don't think anyone would be surprised if we see Varsho taking a significant number of games in center field anyway because Kiermaier's ended up back on the IL or or however that uh, might shake loose. One of the things, though, that we talked about kind of after Christmas all the way through um, till the beginning of spring training was that the Jays would likely add a right-handed bat with a little pop to it to be in that platoon with them. And, and we haven't seen that play out. I actually Stoughton, the last time you were on here, I believe we called it waiting for Grossman. Um, that didn't end up panning out. Are you guys surprised that they didn't go out and, and bring in a little bit more, even as just a, a bench player with a right-handed bat? Yeah, I mean, they could really, that's a guy they could really use. I mean, last year even, they, although they've always had this string of right-handed hitters, they haven't performed well against left-handed pitching by and large. Like a lot of their guys, for whatever reason, are guys that maybe struggle with the change up a little bit more. You know, Vladdy is a guy who's never hit lefties as well as he's hit righties. Uh, or maybe in one of his seasons, but generally speaking, not a big lefty master. Teosco is a, kind of that guy. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. So I think they went 12 and 20 last year against left-handed starters. Uh, and now they have a worse team against left-handed pitching. So I, that is a real concern for them is like, how do they look against tough left-handed pitchers? There's a possibility that as these final cuts happen, somebody shakes loose who they like. I think that happens a little bit less often these days than it maybe it used to, where yeah. teams are, better at managing their roster and keeping the guys who are out of options and making sure they have as much depth as possible. But that's a possibility because that's, that's a real worry for them. Like there are some tough left-handed pitchers they have to go up against in this division. And I don't think this lineup stacks up that well against big time lefties. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I mean, Robbie Grossman, not a real exciting player, but absolutely somebody who made a ton of sense for this roster. And I, I think that, the, you know, you know, God love Otto Lopez, uh, not bomb for Canada. That's great. Sure, yeah. uh, and he's had a really he's had a really nice spring. He's an interesting prospect. He's not going to give you any power, which, you know, you can get away with that. But he's more he's a utility guy. And, and I think, you know, to have on your bench, just like somebody like a Grossman, somebody who. I don't know. Brandon Belt is coming up in uh, in a late late game situation against uh, you know a really a tough lefty closer. If you're if you're doing like Belt Chapman Varsho or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know you'd love to have a bench bat that's not Whit Merrifield or Santiago Espinal who can hit from the right side. And I, I think that that would be. Uh, st- I think that must. You know, I, I'm not in there. I'm not in the front office. I'm not like talking to them, but like that must be a thing they're still considering. And and like, like the way I look at it, and uh, you know, 
who the hell knows what do, what do I know? But I just I look at I look at Trevor Richards and I look at the inflexibility of the bullpen. Mitch White, two guys without options who are you know are are you kind of you have to keep them or you're going to expose them to waivers and lose them for nothing. Uh, you know White's injury kind of changes things, but those are guys who I, you know if they if they had options it would be much easier to send them down. But but obviously you can't. And those are useful guys, but also not you know the. It doesn't change a lot about the makeup of your bullpen if you, say, move somebody like one of those two guys for a right-handed bat who kind of gets squeezed off some other roster or, a, a, you know, is, is on a team that, that could use the bench bat guy, which – so that should be an easy thing to do, and I'd still, you know – I'll go to my grave believing <laughs> that, they, that they should that they should, you know, trade Trevor Richards for – Throw in Trent Thornton. Let's go, please. Sure. Go get, get him the fuck. What out a package! <laughs> <laughs> but there are teams. But like, as the Blue Jays have shown, like there, there are teams that will value guys like that. And uh, yeah, please, please, for the love of God, <laughs> make that trade. And then you can, then you can, you know, churn through your bullpen a little bit more. You got, got, you know, you got your Pop and your Pearson and and some guys with options and some interesting guys who are non roster invitees who you know will be in Buffalo. Maybe you'll put, maybe you'll give them a forty man spot. You got a couple that are kind of free because you put Green and uh, and and Hyunjin Ryu on the uh, on the sixty day one. You know, whenever you need to use those roster spots. Um, but yeah, it just feels like the bullpen is inflexible. The right handed bat is a necessity and something's got to give there eventually. And if it doesn't, I would be both surprised and, uh, and upset about and it. Dismayed. It would be a huge yeah. mistake if you can't <laughs> figure out a way to make that happen. So, you know, with one week to go then before opening day, um, outside of a, a trade or whatever, just with the guys in-house, is there anything that you feel like you need to see that would make you feel better going into opening day as the season starts? Something that uh, maybe we haven't seen enough of somebody yet or one more outting from somebody, somebody, you know. somebody's surgically repaired knee. Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> is he? Are you there? Are you down there at all? Yeah, anything at all? You guys be keeping an eye on as we head into this final week of spring training. I mean, we talked to Jose Barrios already. He is literally pitching as we record this podcast, so I'm okay, not going to yeah. predict how that outing goes. I believe he struck out the side in his first inning. Okay. Uh, so if that went really well, I think that would be something that's noteworthy. But yeah, you know, it's just it's so you know maybe a little bit more Alejandro Kirk because he's missed some time. Yeah. You know, Vladdy because he's missed some time. A little bit of belt, but realistically, I think that this team has quite a few players who are literally young, you know, because they've got Bo and Vladdy and Kirk, but a lot of these guys got early starts. Like it is really a veteran team. Like they're not relying on rookies. They're not relying on guys with no track record. So most of the players that they're rolling out are guys that we have pretty set expectations for. So there's not a lot that can happen in, you know, seven, eight days of spring training action. That's going to make me say, Oh, I feel differently about Anthony Bass. Like, you know, Anthony Bass is 35. It's the second (laughs) time on the blue Jays. Like every reliever in this bullpen with the exception of pop is basically 29 or older. You know, Manoa is the only young pitcher uh, on the starting side. We know what he's got. So it's one of the things that makes this time of year maybe less interesting as a fan. Yeah. But if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, at the same time, I think that you can be comforted by knowing that like there's nothing you really need to see uh, basically in all of spring training, but in the end of spring training to make you feel assured in the team that's going to be on the field. Right. 
Yeah, I, I think that I think that's bang on, and it, it's you know, and that's it's it's part of why it hasn't been a super exciting spring training, which is a shame a little bit because like Sportsnet would actually finally yeah. went to the trouble of, of broadcasting all the games, and which you know which have watched, and you know, and, you know, at least until you know the sixth or seventh or eighth inning yeah. when, it, uh, <laughs> when it gets interminable, but. Uh, <laughs> But but like I don't know I, like I saw I saw somebody on, I think it was Josh Goldberg on Twitter the other day was just like what are you like what are you thinking for the Jays uh, you know final roster for the opening day roster and gave his prediction which I think was correct but I think it was like some the same prediction you could have given you know in January right, right? like it, it's just like like uh, which is great because that that means no no one's had a catastrophic injury sure which is sort of the the one thing that really could change something here but uh, but barring that thankfully not happening. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's just about guys getting their work in. It's it, it has not been, and and that's fine. And and you know, that's what you want. That's it turns out that's what contending teams like Nick says. Like that's 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 how that works. Like you're not, you're not like is Eric Thames or Tra- Travis Snyder going to make the <laughs> the opening day lineup? Like you're not, you're not obsessing over like these little details because you have literally nothing else to hope for. It's like all right, stay healthy, get your reps in. And let's get after it. Yeah. When the season starts, let's go. And and they seem poised. I'd looked. I, I could. I could use. I could have used a few more Ben and Belt at bats to this point. But uh, he seems. Yeah, he says he, he doesn't need. Say, it. He seems to say he doesn't need it. Which, <laughs> yeah. which to which to a point I get. You know, he's yeah. DH. He's not going to be on the field a ton. He does. He probably does. He probably doesn't need to do six weeks of spring training. <laughs> Yeah, come on, throw us a bone. A but little for bit, our though. peace of mind, yeah, yeah it would have been nicer. <laughs> but, but but if he plays a bunch in like the next couple of weeks, then uh, yeah, let's go. I mean, he's he's a guy. You know, speaking of burrito, like he's a guy who could be a you know a real linchpin and, and a real difference maker in terms of like if, if he's the twenty twenty one version. Right. Uh, this team is like this is a great team, and if he's not, then this is a good team. So that was going to be the last thing for you then, as we wrap up. Um, the team is absolutely different than it was last year. Are you both sold that it's better? So, sold is a strong word. Uh, <laughs> like, got, like gone to my head, I would say yes. I think it's more different than it is better. Yeah. Like it is just, it's a different shape. It's going to be a different vibe. I'm curious to see how some of it works in terms of the changes. Like now we've emphasized outfield defense and Roger Center has this new irregular outfield. Does that mesh in a good way? You know, we've brought on more speed and now there's going to be the bigger bases that enable better stealing. Is that something is moving towards a couple of guys with more speed going to pay off uh, as a result? Are there some guys who are going to do better with no shifting? You know, Biggio is obviously the famous guy for that. I think that the team is is slightly better, but it's more uh, it's more different than it is better. And ultimately, it is tough to kind of like keep running back the same team with you know, ultimately disappointing results like mm-hmm. the last couple of seasons. Not that the team has been bad by any means, but you would hope with the talent that they had that they'd be able to do more, especially in the playoffs. So I get it. I'd, I'd say that I'm sort of behind the moves, but I don't think it's fair to expect that they're going to be a way better team and like one of the AL, the favorites to be an AL powerhouse, which like, you know, they could be. That's within the realm of outcomes for them. Sure. But I don't think it's fair to say like, oh, this team has taken a step and now they're right there with the Astros and uh, you know, the Yankees are still, despite their pitching injuries, going to be the favorites in the AL East. Uh, it's still probably a wild card if they're making the playoffs. But, you know, there's 162 games to play, and I do think that this is a good team. Right. Well, the Yankees the Yankees suck. Let's, uh, let's <laughs> come on. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, well, yeah, like, as Nick says, like, the, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing 
over and over and expecting different results. And I think, and we talked about this on one of our podcasts before, like, it, like to run it back as tempting as it would have been. And as, you know, as much as everybody loved to Oscar and loved Lord, it like, you know, if you're Ross Atkins and you do that a third time and have a third bad outcome with like basically a roster with a, that hasn't addressed the lineup balance, that hasn't addressed base running, that hasn't addressed outfield defense, you're in a, you, you look like a, you look like a bit of an asshole at that point. Right. So they're like, they're, and I think Nick's exactly right. Like the shape has changed. I don't know that like, you know, win above replacement for win above replacement they've necessarily made a huge jump i think they think and i think probably correctly that those sort of you know tightening up the outfield defense tightening up the the base running like those like those kind of things should help them become a better team it will you know the margins will will tell us you know whether matt chapman has you know has the year that he he had in the last four months of last year or the first two months or whether bobachette is you know good for the entirety of the year as opposed to the last couple of months uh, you know things like that. Whether Vlad bounces back to have, you know, whether he's, you know, is, is he? <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to think of like to uh, like like is he is he Carlos Pena or is he uh, Paul Goldschmidt? You know, like right. uh, the like that that will kind of mostly tell anyway. And I think that the, they have been smart moves that they that they have uh, have done. You know, to to fix the like yeah, but like you just couldn't. You, you could, I don't think you could go through another year running it back with a team of that exact same shape. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you could, and it might have worked out. It might have worked out the last couple of years, but it's uh, it would have been real tough to justify had you had those like those concerns that have been here for so long. The bullpen, I think, to to an extent, which you know they only got Eric Swanson, but they also got Bass and Pop at the trade deadline, and that's been you know an improved unit uh, from a year ago. Uh, without without addressing those, would have been. Uh, would have been bad for the GM's job security. So I completely <laughs> understand why that those kind of things have happened. And uh, and I think, you know, the, if they're just as good as last year or the year before, then uh, they're real good. So just before I let you promote then, because I meant to hit this off the top, uh, Nick, over the winter, you wrote a piece not about baseball. You did a thing on uh, the best winter breweries in Toronto. And I'm not going to ask you to go through them all, but we talk a lot of craft beer around here. Did you come up with a favorite of your own? Yeah, that was uh, yeah, it was a fun assignment. Yeah. You know, sometimes you pitch something and you don't necessarily expect uh, someone to really have that pitch resonate with them. But luckily, yeah, I got the opportunity to do this piece for Toronto Verse. It was fun. Like I, I'm someone who's really into dark beers, generally speaking. Same, like yeah. I. Uh, uh, you know, I have uh, a British father and I was always kind of instilled in me that sort of dark beer is real beer. Uh, and maybe that's <laughs> stupid, but that's sort of the path I started walking down. So these winter beers I was focused on, yeah, what breweries, first of all, have a place where you can sit inside that's nice because a lot of them are basically patios, like yeah. their spaces. So wh- who has a good spot inside and who's got good porters and stouts? Uh, yeah, I won't go through the whole list. One that really, really stood out to me was one that I had not, I'd heard good things about, but I hadn't been to before, and that was Godspeed. Mm. Um, and that is sort of in the east end of the city, Coxwell, a little bit south of Girard, if I believe. Um, and it's an odd one. It's like a, they're they're going with two basic influences. They're doing Japanese and Czech at the same time. Ooh, I like that. Uh, and All that's right. not, a, not a combo <laughs> no. I would have thought of. Um <laughs> But it the just really good stuff. Like not crazy, you know, we're putting peach cobbler in it, or it's gonna be like cherry plus lime, you know what I mean? Like tequila barrels, sure. you know what I mean? It's it's like it's just good, solid, like here's our stout, here's our porter, here's our amber, 
Um, but I thought everything they did was fantastic. And this had like a very clean, elegant space, high ceiling, some of this Japanese decor. So yeah, if you guys are in the East End at all, uh, I'd recommend checking out Godspeed. Uh, you're going to be pitching a, I know you said darker beers are more your speed, but will you pitch a summer, uh, summer beer piece as well? You know what? I'm happy to go my co- outside my comfort zone. Uh, <laughs> if I get that call again, yeah. uh, and try, try some other beers. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. You know, you might, yeah, you might see me pop up. That was my debut on the beer writing circuit, but, uh, I definitely <laughs> feel like I have something to offer to the space and I'd be happy to get back in there. That's awesome. Uh, it was a good read. We'll link to it in the show notes here. Uh, um, why don't you just tell us about where we can find your work? Tell us about the podcast where people can check that out. Uh, you can find me at, at Nick Ashbourne, Ashbourne, like the Bourne movies, A-S-H-B-O-U-R-N-E. And uh, mainly right now, you can see my work at Sportsnet. Stay tuned uh, where else it might be popping up. You know, like these beer stories, you never know. <laughs> uh, and uh, Stoughton Eyes podcast, Blue Jays Happy Hour I believe everywhere where you do your pods, just stay within your routine and search our name and you should be able to find us. Nice. Stoughton? Yeah, I mean, you got to keep your eyes peeled for my uh, White Claw Flavors Ranked piece coming up. (laughs) 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 Um, I haven't found an editor yet who will take that one, but uh, uh, I'm at thebatflip.ca, which is the easiest way to find it. Stoughton, Andrew Stoughton on on Twitter. I'm, I'm around. Yeah. So apologies for my Twitter feed. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, podcasting with Nick will be, uh, ours might be up before this. But, hey, so, how about that? So, so I don't, so, so you can go check that out. We will, uh, the, yeah, we'll in make the future. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll make sure all that is linked, uh, in the show notes, but, uh, we'll make sure yours isn't linked until after mine's posted. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys doing this. This was fun. I, I love the podcast. Uh, it was cool last year. I know you guys were on a different platform to to hear you do them live and, uh, and hear a little bit of listener feedback now and then. That was cool. But uh, the traditional style has always been fun, too. Um, it's one of my uh, my don't-miss Blue Jays podcasts. So I appreciate you guys uh, coming on and, and chatting with me. Hey, thanks, right, man. Thanks uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, the new blackberry flavor yeah. rising right up to the top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isn't black cherry a flavor? It is, but there's another black one. Black cherry and blackberry. That's way too complicated. See, this is why you have to write the piece, though. This is, <laughs> this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot, boys. All right, there you have it. Nick Ashbourne from Sportsnet and uh, Andrew Stoughton from the Batflip.ca. Of course, both of them hosting the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast, which is well worth your time to, uh, to check out. Thank you to them for giving us some time today. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing me right now because we have tons of good stuff coming. As I said off the top, NHL and NBA playoffs getting ready to fire up. Uh, Baseball season just about a week away now. It's WrestleMania next week. We got all kinds of stuff to talk about on the podcast, plus tons more MMA and UFC as well. So great time to get subscribed to the podcast if you haven't done so yet. Make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio. That's where we'll end this one. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.